Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. Will the United States of America last forever? When we say the Pledge of Allegiance, we say that we are one nation under God, indivisible. We do not say one nation under God, indestructible. Might we self-destruct because the political unrest and division is getting more polarizing and even more dividing as it seems day by day? Will we self-implode because of the growing debt? Will we unravel at the seams because that seems to be what is happening to family structures and societal systems? I don't know. And no, I'm not asking you to consider that because it's my job today to invite you to think more dim and grim thoughts in addition to all of the others of 2020. No, the reason I'm inviting you to consider that for a moment is because it's not going to last forever, at least as we know it. I mean, and you, and you think about that when you look at the generations to come. I look at my four kids and I think if God blesses them with children and their children with children, however many generations down the road, what is it going to look like? That can be quite an unsettling thought, right? And we're not the only ones to have ever thought it. To have ever wondered why in the world is God allowing this to happen? Is this going to last forever? How could he let that happen and why this? Because it seems to be leading to this type of destruction. We're, we're not the only ones. No, I'm not inviting you to think that because it's, it's doomsday, but because God, through his word, invites us to consider something that is far more comforting. Something that gives us greater confidence and strength than any power or, or politician in this world ever could. That God's kingdom is one that will last forever. That's the vision that God gave to Daniel. The words that you heard read earlier from Daniel chapter 7. God pulls back the curtain a little bit and uses this vision filled with imagery and symbolism in order to communicate to Daniel and to you and to me that God's kingdom is an eternal dominion that will never be destroyed. It will last forever. And that gives us greater comfort and confidence no matter what we face in the days, months, and years ahead. So what did God enable Daniel to see? I invite you to read the entire chapter of Daniel 7. It's kind of fascinating. He uses these four animals to depict about 500 plus years of history. And in so doing, he's leading us to see just who is in control. So what's the first animal? I'll kind of summarize it for you. The first one is a lion with wings, a very well understood image for the kingdom of Babylon. You see, Babylon had come in and it had destroyed everyone in Mesopotamia and in Judea, taking over Israel, God's people, bulldozing the temple and carrying off the best and brightest. Like Daniel. Daniel was one of those people who was, when he was just a young boy, was carried off. Do you think he was tempted to to ask questions like, why are you letting this happen? How, God, if you're really in control? You know, questions that might sound familiar to some people that you and I might know. But when he's carried off, God gives him this vision, the first one being the nation that he was currently living in, the nation of Babylon, so powerful, like a a lion, and even quick to boot, wings. But that is chased off by a bear with three ribs in its mouth. The nation that would come next in 553 BC was the Persian Empire, the three ribs symbolizing the three other sub-empires that it overtook. Lydia, up in modern-day Turkey, Babylon, and the Egyptians, which had borders that far-stretched, which you and I might see today on a map. 
And then after that, after the Persian Empire, which was so massive and had such brute force like that of a big bear, was this other empire, the Greeks, depicted by this four-headed leopard, a leopard vicious and fast and yet strong. That was Alexander the Great, who with very little men and in just a short time, and even as a very youthful individual, overtook all of the Persian Empire and the forehead symbolizing the four generals who were given those allotments of land. And then after the leopard, of course, Alexander the Great would, would die at a young age, there would come this other force. You don't even know how to describe it. He just calls it beast. Artists kind of depicted like a T-Rex with steel jaws and ten horns. Otherwise, it, what else can you depict as this massive beast which would have borders stretching farther than any other of the previous empires? This, of course, symbolizes the Roman Empire that would take over and conquer just about everything. Quite unsettling, don't you think? Daniel, probably not only picturing what had just happened to him and his people, but also picturing what was going to happen in the future. You see, that's different for us. I mean, we just, we just took over 500 years history survey, and for us it's kind of like, yeah, I guess that, that maybe was a little unsettling for Daniel. But that's way easier to look to the past than it is to look to the future. I mean, imagine if God were to give us these visions and these symbols that were to talk about how the nation that we know it is going to be overthrown by another and another and another. So, so not only do you have to worry about the next one, but then there's the one after that and the one after that. When you look into the future and when you don't know for certain that, my friends, that is what brings faith to the foreground and puts it under the heat of testing. Oh yes, how easy is it? to be in the shoes of Daniel and to look into the future not knowing what is going to happen to the systems and structures and even the country that has provided us with relative peace, stability, security, and freedom. Could you imagine Daniel asking those questions? How, Lord? And these are your people. You promised to send your son to these people and through these people and now the nation is destroyed. Where are your plans now? How could this be it? in the bottoms of our hearts when we're filled with doubt and fear over what we see, we understand Daniel, even if we don't see it like he did in his experience in his day, we understand the type of fears that Daniel had and we share them. And that's exactly why God gives us a different vision, the one that he gave to Daniel. Then there comes this one who is completely different in several ways than any of the other previous four animals or animal look-alike creatures. First of all, he's a man. He has a, an appearance like a son of man. The, the lesson you heard earlier, you know who this son of man is. The only one who refers to himself and fulfills it through his life, death, and resurrection is none other than Jesus Christ. He approaches us as looking like a man somebody that we don't have to be afraid of. What else? Well, all those beasts, they come from the earth, but not this one. He comes from heaven. Well, what else? Well, he doesn't just take over things. Everything is given to him, praise and glory and honor. And why? The final difference? Because he controls all things and his control, his kingdom, his power, his dominion is everlasting, eternal. It will never be destroyed. God gives you all of this. Why? So you and I would know that when we look out in this world, just like Daniel did, and we see political powers in play, and we see nations, and we see troubling times, and we see concerning headlines, 
there is one kingdom that will never be destroyed. It is the kingdom that we belong to. We were bought for it by the blood of the Son of Man himself. Our names were written in this kingdom when God put his name on us in the waters of our baptism. So then you would think, right, that since we belong to this kingdom that will never be destroyed, then when we look at the news and when we talk to our friends, when we have conversations with our coworkers and our spouses, when we're talking about the things that we fear most, we would talk about bigger picture things, right? Like eternity, like heaven, like Jesus, like how the gospel is taking over, like how that is the only thing that can win hearts over. That's the most important thing. Like how we need to be aware of the devil's schemes so that we would not be fooled of that tempting and approaching lion. We talk about those things, right? Or, or, or when you think about the last couple weeks, how much time do we spend not just watching, but fretting and focusing and maybe even over-focusing on election results and fraud and this side saying this thing and the other side saying that thing and this headline and that headline and these people are corrupt. No, those people are. And how if our guy got in or didn't get in, then one kingdom that will never be destroyed. And too easily, if you're anything like me, the, the number one focus is what? This relatively young, very young, worldly kingdom we call the USA. And we should be concerned. But how often does concern and the stewardship of our time and our callings in this country turn into becoming getting carried away? So much so that it affects our faith and our focus. One kingdom. Never be destroyed. And you want to know the beauty of this kingdom? It's that God doesn't reveal this kingdom to us so that he would rub it in our faces that he sees the big picture and he's got the whole world in his hands and we don't. God is not just saying, see, you're dumb. No, he's not saying that at all. The reason he gives you this vision is not because it's a vision that works against you, but you would see your part in it. Yes, your connection to the Son of Man who lives and reigns not over you, against you, but over all things for you. This is the one whom when you gaze upon the Son of Man and you look under his crown, you do not see hair that is perfectly conditioned underneath this golden crown that has tons of jewels laid therein. No, you see scars from all of those things thorns. If you were to gaze upon the Son of Man, the one who controls all things, and if he had a real scepter in his hand and you would look behind it, you would not see powerful, strong, yet silky hands that have never really touched the field of battle. No, you would see proof that the battle, the eternal battle, has already been won because the scar from the nail that pierced his hands is there to prove it, just like it did to Thomas. You look at his feet, and these are not the feet that have been pampered as he sits upon some throne high above us, as we worry about his judgments. No, these too are the feet that were pierced for our transgressions. You look behind that robe, and what do you see? You see scars of the one who was struck, whipped, and scourged for our iniquities. And yet that punishment that brought us peace was upon him, so that by his wounds we would be healed. This is... The Son of Man is also the suffering servant who, for our sakes, bore all things so that we would be 
his very own, subjects of his kingdom, citizens, actually, now and forever. How do you know that this is for your good? That the one who sits there and reigns is for your good. You know that be, because this is none other than the one who loved you and has saved you through his life, death, and resurrection. And since that, that ancient of days, that Savior, that Son of Man is the one who loved and saved you, then you and I look at not only eternity, we can all the more, to a lesser degree, look at these times with nothing to fear. There's even further proof. When you even look back at some of those animals, how do you know that God works through all things, for our good, even for the eternal good of souls. Well, well, think of what happened. Yet Babylon was overthrown by Persians. Daniel, he ended up becoming one of these chief advisors over this think tank. They called them the wise men. So who do you think was one of the people who was over there talking about the promises of God other than a prophet like Daniel? So that Generations to come, there would be these people who heard about this prophecy that related the Messiah to come from the Jewish people with a star. Think God's plan works for the good of others? Well, what do you have after that? The Greeks. And with that would come the lingua franca of Greek itself. So that people would be able to hear and understand and communicate and even record the New Testament in this common language so that people could hear the wonders of God, eventually in their own language, but in a language that so many understood. Oh, a beast, what good could come from that except that the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, would create stability so that missionaries could be spread far and wide and, of course, transportation, unlike the world had ever seen before. How else could people like the Apostle Paul travel so easily, far and wide, to share the wonders of God with people so they would know that the Son of Man does not rule against them, even though their consciences convict them so. He rules for them. When you look at that part of the vision where the books are open, if you're like me, you kind of got this big lump in your throat you try to swallow. Books are open can't help but think of the inventory that God takes of all of our time and our concern and our worrying and our fears and so on and so forth. And yet of all of the things that we could think about in the books being open, we have absolutely no right to stake any claim on God's kingdom. But since this is a king who rules for us, a king who is crucified for us and who rose for us, then there is absolutely nothing to fear. So you look at our little blip in time. It is just that, you know, this, this tiny little blip. If you think of, if your heart rate, like on the heart monitor, bing, bing, was stretched out, your entire life was stretched out, and then you would look at absolutely all of the heartbeats, would you ever be able to, to page through that many pages and to be able to see every one? And yet not a single heartbeat happens without your father's care and permission. Take the proverbial heartbeat of this world and that of every kingdom therein. And what does God see? What we see is just the here and now, just the, the, the recent little blips. And maybe we anticipate a couple future ones, but largely it's just the present. It's just a couple of them. And yet 
the flat line that exists far before and after that, we call that eternity. That is what God sees. Outside of time, the Ancient of Days holds all things in his hands for our good because he's our Savior, because he's proven that throughout history, and because he exists outside of time with everything under his caring perception for our good now and forever. So what do you have to fear in the coming weeks and months and years and decades and generations? Maybe quite a bit. It would make you normal. Anyone who looks at these times and says, I'm not afraid at all, has been living in a hole. <laughs> or maybe, like me, you just haven't been watching much of the news. But truly, there are, even if you don't watch the news, it takes you all of two seconds to just look around and to see that there's a lot to be afraid of. But as the hymn goes, we're but strangers here. Heaven is our home. Earth but a desert drear. Heaven is our home. You look out in the world and even at our, as our, at our country, and the thing that we can say first and foremost is that we are citizens of our Father's heavenly kingdom. And when we see that kind of kingdom, the type of control that he has demonstrated in the past and holds in the future and even gives us now in the present through all of his promises, then no matter what comes, no matter what happens, no matter how kingdoms may rise and fall, we belong to a God who controls the everlasting kingdom. And that, my friends, will never be destroyed. God grant us that strength, that comfort, and that confidence now and forever. Amen.